swing and a line drive left field. Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did. He got it. There we go. It's time to party right here. Three two. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. Major League Baseball is finally back after a long, torturous negotiation session that lasted almost the better part of a month. Uh, between the MLB uh, Players Association and the league and its owners. So uh, finally, everything as of about an hour ago tonight on Tuesday, done deal. So we're going to be going through uh, everything, all the details as we have them, which will be, you know, obviously the major details. So we'll give you a good outline of what to expect as the season does start. So joining me tonight, Charlie Smith and Aaron Graves coming off the bench. How are you guys? I'm doing good, Terry. Doing good. This is a surreal feeling to think that finally after over two and a half months, we're actually going to get baseball. (laughs) It just feels weird. Yeah. And you know, at the start of the season, I was like, if we miss more than April, I'm going to be pissed. If we miss more than March, I'm going to be pissed. And then, you know, all that comes and goes. And now I'm like, please, just any baseball. I need baseball in my life. So, you know, if if all goes well, we do have the, the virus that's kind of still, you know, up to its shenanigans and hopefully won't, um, you know, impede much inevitably players will uh go on the dl it's actually not going to be the dl it's going to be a separate list that they're going to go on but um but yeah hopefully we won't have too much uh trouble there but uh, this is better than nothing and 60 games so be it you know just the fact that they're coming back and they're willing to play and you know, a, a pandemic, if you want to call it that, just makes me more optimistic that all the trial and error stuff will be done by the time next season rolls around. It's, you know, it's funny you say that, Terry. I remember thinking, like, before the 2020 season started, I was, like, so frustrated and upset with everything going on with Mookie Betts and the fact that he wanted to force their hand and was saying he didn't want to leave, but... You know, that was BS because I feel like he, if he really wanted to be here, he would have signed this deal three years ago. And now he's the only one who's not laughing. And the Red Sox can't possibly lose 100 games this season. So I can't be upset right now. <laughs> Absolutely not. Aaron, what what are you feeling? You relieved? Are you relieved and pissed? Like, what's, what's your mindset? I'm a little of both. I mean, 
I love baseball. I would have loved 162 games. I'm a little disappointed. I'm only getting 60, but I'll take what I can get at this point. And like Charlie said, the Red Sox won't lose 100 games, and maybe with 60 games, they can be competitive. Maybe I don't know. We'll find out. Well, you know, that's a nice glass half full look at it, but don't forget where we were, you know, in in March, you know, looking at Erod and Martin Perez as our numbers one and two. <laughs> so if we're going to have a year like this, the Red Sox were in a good position to, you know, have a, you know, pandemic, I guess. So, um, and then the the penalties will reset. Andrew, one of our co-hosts, was very concerned that if there was no season, the penalties wouldn't be reset. So don't have to worry about that now. But anyway, so let's let's break it down. Let's go through the list right now of um, w- what the season will look like. Players will be reporting, and some might be reporting immediately, but the official report date is July 3rd. Opening day will be July 24th for most teams. The season will be, as we said, 60 games long, which will be over the course of 66 days, so only you know six off days built in, provided that there aren't any rain makeups, which you know uh, you, you would almost, you know, expect so 60 games uh also um a a little bit of what the schedule is going to look like Uh, the teams will play 10 games against opponents in their own division and then they will play 20 games against teams in interleague play uh you know with the league corresponding with their geographical region so obviously with boston uh, we will be playing the National League East in those 20 interleague games. So it doesn't say exactly how those games will be staggered out. You know, will it be a four-game series, a three-game series, and a three-game series, you know, to get to 10 games against each divisional? We don't have any clarity on that, but that's a basic uh, outline of um, what the schedule will look like. There will be an August 31st trade deadline. I will have some thoughts on that later on. Uh, The season uh, will start with 30-man rosters, which will will then, after two weeks, be reduced down to 28, and then two weeks after that, back down to the normal 26-man rosters. There will not be expanded playoffs, which... It's kind of a bummer, you know, because I think that would have led to a little bit more baseball. But that will not be happening in 2020. And the National League will finally adopt the designated hitter. So bye-bye J.D. Martinez in a few months. (laughs) So uh, I have some other stuff here uh, as well. Oh, another thing I absolutely hate, and this is per... Uh, Bob Nightingale if the games do go into extra innings there will be a runner on second base beginning in the 10th inning I'll have some thoughts on that later Uh, players uh, that are high risk uh, can opt out Um, and so hopefully you know we won't see too much of that I'm not aware of any Red Sox players that um are high risk necessarily, um, you know, due to stuff, maybe asthma, 
or uh, anything else. But uh, so let's uh, let's just just gloss over one last time. What do you guys think of the? Um, we know it's going to be sixty games, but. What do you think of the schedule there? Ten games against, you know, each of our divisional opponents and then, you know, the National League East for the Inner uh, League. What are your thoughts, Charlie? Well, I'm I'm naturally going to be very thankful with the fact that we only have to face the Yankees so many times. Um, it's sad that we don't get to face the teams like the Orioles or the, or the Blue Jays as much. Um, so I think we're going to do fine in the East. But... I think everybody is going to be really rusty. So we're going to struggle. I mean, our pitching staff was going to be a joke from the get-go. If we even come remotely close to like 450, 500 baseball, that is a huge win this year. Because 30 wins out of 60 is more wins than I thought. You know, more than half of the wins I thought they were probably going to get before the season started had we played 162. And everyone kind of gave me crap about it. But there's just no way that you're going to win 100. You, you can't lose less than 100 games with with Martin Perez as your number two or three guy in the rotation. Um, a lot of players also last year when I was looking at some of the numbers, April and May, the first two months of the year were rough. They were really rough. So I'm thinking of, I think like Xander Bogarts, for example, hit like a buck 77 the first like two months or I think it was March limited time, 177, second month, didn't do too much. It wasn't until month three or four where he started to finally click. So if it takes 30 to 35 games for these players to lock on, we might only win 20 games this season or 23. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we go 20, 24 and 36 or 23 and 37, and that would be a gift. With well, everything going on. I just kind of did the math. 36 wins would be the equivalent of 90. So that could be a number a lot of people have in their heads. You know, the closer you get to 36, you know, the, that should at least be, you know, wild card range. But um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But Aaron, what, what are your thoughts on the the basic structure of the schedule? Uh, like Charlie said, I'm very thankful that I have to play the Yankees 10 times compared to how, however many times we would have ended up anyway. But also, I don't really think there's any better way they could do it compared to just the 10 games with each of the division opponents and then interleague with the East. I mean, that's... I can't really think of a better way to do that. Make it as even as possible for the rest of the division slash league. Um, I'm interested to see how they cut up the interleague games, but if I can play the Marlins as much as possible, that'd be cool. Yeah, well, we'll get, uh, let's see if there's, I think we're going to have four games against each uh, National League team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, So you can count on at least four I, it just occurred to me that uh, the Yankees won't get to get revenge on the Astros unless it's in the playoffs because you don't have, you know, intra-division play, you know, so um, so they won't be able to get revenge uh, until October, but... All right, so what about the rosters here? 30-man uh, rosters to start, like I said, it 
they lose two players uh, every two weeks, uh, you know, until it gets down to 26. So uh, my, my initial thought is, well, if they're going to have 30-man rosters, they're probably going to have extra arms because, you know, in, in three weeks, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Avaldi, Martin Perez, they're not going to be able to go seven innings right away. I think realistically you could see three, four, five inning outings, and then with those extra four players, maybe you have a long relief guy in there. And, you know, so that that's probably why they allowed the early buffer. It's uh it's gonna be interesting when you think about it. These are these are the teams right now that have already kind of done a, a spring training and then they shut it down. So what is the percentage of the league that really took this seriously thinking, oh, yeah, we're actually going to have a baseball season? I would say less than 35%. I'd say one out of three guys has been maintaining their shape. And what's really sad and disappointing is the Red Sox aren't the only team. It's not the Red Sox that's getting punished. It is certain players from certain teams that got absolutely robbed, robbed of their year 27, year 28, year 29 campaign. What could have been arguably their best year ever. Mike Trout lost more than half of one year. That sucks for baseball. It's, it's I mean, and I'm not an Angels fan at all, but I'm a Mike Trout fan because it's kind of hard to hate the guy. He does nothing. He does nothing wrong, you know. Yeah, and he was kind of critical towards the commissioner, so that was kind of nice to see. You don't really see him being a presence throughout the media in that regard, but from a performance aspect, you're absolutely right. And you got a guy like Mookie Betts who was hoping to have a big year this year to you know go into free agency. You know he had a nice team around him. I don't think uh, you know Dodger Stadium or Chavez Ravine you know, it's necessarily a home run hitters park, but, um, but yeah, I mean, some of these guys that were, were looking for big contracts, there's a lot of uncertainty. So a, a lot of this definitely got, you know, mishandled. Uh, Aaron, your thoughts on the, uh, 30 man rosters. Um, I like the idea of it. I mean, I can only say that until I see what 30 guys we have on the roster, and then I might second-guess that and be like, oh, God, I really don't know if I want to see these 30 people. But <laughs> it is it is what it is at this point, I suppose. Yeah, you know, just the other day, I had to remind myself, I'm like, oh, we have Kevin Pillar. <laughs> I totally forgot about that move. Like, my baseball brain has been off. And so, you know, we did add a few pieces. We got Peraza. Uh, we have Moreland back, you know, so we're thin, you know, w- with arms. I, I don't know if Tanner Houck is going to get a spot, you know, if they want to use up some service time on him uh, on a year like this. But, um, but yeah, I just, I think it's interesting. I think at the very least it will prevent guys from, you know, getting injured. You know, Erod doesn't have to go that sixth or seventh inning if he, if he doesn't want to, or, you know, or if he's not feeling it type of thing. Kind of random. Anybody know if McHugh's going to be ready now? I would assume so. I mean, he's only on a one-year deal, isn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah, so they must have signed him with the expectation that he would be, um, you know, he would be ready at some point this season. So Alex Vertigo is going to be ready to go as well. So that's uh, something else to look forward to. Uh, let's see. Here's here's a disappointing one. Now, there's going to be no expanded playoffs in 2020. Now, I wasn't a fan of the proposal Manfred had before the COVID stuff came down where there'd be seven in every league. I wasn't, uh, you know, as a purist, I, I just would rather them not mess with the playoff format anymore. But for this year only, I, I think it would have been exciting to – to have eight teams on each side, you know, competing in the playoffs, and it, it would have led to a little bit more baseball. Charlie, thoughts on that? It uh, not at the moment. <laughs> I'm still, you know, you, you, I'm going to be completely honest. Yesterday, when they said, "Yep, seventy games got turned down." This is the only thing going through my mind. I was like, okay, 70 games got turned down. I guess 2020 is canceled. And it's going to be up to the commissioner to make it 60 games. I said, we'll see if he can pull the trigger. And now he's doing it. So I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the fact that we're playing 60 games in an abridged season where somebody who has maybe 14 home runs is going to be the MVP of, this, of the year. Like, there's so much going through my mind. I mean, I think they should honestly probably cancel a lot of those awards. Like, anybody could win the Cy Young, literally anybody, because 60 games, you got five starters, so uh, I'm terrible with math. What's that, 12 starts apiece? Yes. Yeah, exactly, right on the money. So, uh, you know, you could go with a couple of no decisions. I mean, somebody could be, Wade Miley could be, you know, eight and two with a you know a two twenty ERA and and win a Cy Young. I mean, I think that stuff should be scrapped this year anyway. I, I, I if mean, they if but, they I mean, um, truth be told, if they end up scrapping that, I don't think anybody's going to say. Uh, you know what? There are probably going to be some that say, "Oh, you're going to take away our awards too." No, you got no. I mean, really? Could you imagine someone with nine home runs and like? 48 RBIs winning the MVP hitting like 406 because they played two months. Of, I mean, could you imagine someone's going to beat Ted Williams batting average record in 60 game in a 60 game season. That's insulting. I don't think we're ever going to see someone crack that ever again. Uh, you know what? I think they should. I, I, I think they should get rid of accolades this year. There's, I mean, yeah, our, our league leading Six win character, six win guy is is going to be the uh, AL Cy. You could have a reliever win more games this season than a starter. <laughs> That's a crazy thought, but it could happen. I, I it could happen. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, your thoughts on expanded playoffs? Um, like you, Terry. I'm a baseball purist. I hated the proposal when it was going to happen, but if we're playing a sixty game season. I'm Kind of wish they'd change it up. Let's try something new. It's 60 games. Who really cares if a playoff format that they use for 60 games is a failure? It doesn't. Yeah, I mean, some teams that, you know, typically miss, you know, the Mets have have been relatively close, and um, the Cardinals have, you know, missed by a little bit some years. 
I just feel like it would just it would bring a little bit more uh, you know interest into the game because by that point the NBA playoffs should be wrapping up, the NHL playoffs should be wrapping up. So Major League Baseball, barring the virus, you know, canceling stuff, you know, could kind of kind of take command of the month of October in, in a way, you know, with their playoffs. So I would figure the more the merrier. Here's a common question. Is the championship legitimate this year? I'd put an asterisk on it. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm with Aaron. It's it's so it's so difficult to imagine. It's it's similar to like 1994. I'm aging myself a little bit here and Terry can relate. Um actually Terry, I think 90s you weren't as as into it but right. i remember mid 90s is when i started to get into baseball and i was like well dad how come like they only play like 112 games one year and he explained to me what happened and i was like well i wonder i wonder what would have happened like i wonder who would have won in 1994 the expos were like on another level they had superstar after superstar in their lineup and their rotation if they have a World Series this year, 100% put an asterisk next to it. I'm with, I'm with Aaron 100% on this one. You know, I, I don't know how I feel about it right now. I may very well agree with you guys in the long run, but if all the best teams are the ones in the playoffs anyway, I mean, and you have an epic ALCS, an epic NLCS, and then, you know, you get the Yankees versus the Dodgers in the World Series are just a very good matchup. Maybe the Astros get back there. Um, you know, maybe the Indians are back. Who knows? I think they're going to surprise some people this year. But, um, but you know, if the matchups are good through the playoffs and aces are pitching like aces, I think at that point I'll be willing to recognize it as a championship. I'm just concerned because, like, if you told me at the beginning of the year and you're like, hey, pick four contenders. Like, okay, so I'd give you the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers, and I don't even know who my fourth would be. Probably the Nationals. Nationals, 100%. Oh, yeah. But if now you give me 60 games, if you told me that the Padres got hot for a month and made a run in the playoffs, I'd be like, okay, maybe. (laughs) Or the Indians, like, I just... I feel like that if you get caught at the right time with 60 games, you basically can get yourself a playoffs spot. Where if you played 162, I don't think the Padres would win. Or I'm not so convinced that the Indians would be a lot to get it. Well, that's I, an interesting... Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Charlie. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, that's an interesting insight because I feel like I feel like Aaron actually just touched up on something. You know, 60 games is, is, a, is a less than half sample size of the standard season. So you go on like a kill streak of eight or nine... Um, Call of Duty reference right there. You go on, you you go on a streak right there for like eight or nine in a row, and you do that maybe like an eight game there. You get a six, and then a span of maybe seven later on. You just won twenty one games. That's that's a third of the season right there. The rest of the season, you just have to go ten and thirty just to finish fifty fifty. You're probably going to do better than that. You're right. There are going to be some surprises this year because it may take certain teams a little bit longer to get hot. Um, I'm I'm. Very curious to see if if there's going to be any surprises. I'll be shocked if the Nationals aren't there. 
I'll be shocked if the Yankees aren't there. I mean, the Astros aren't there. Of course, the Astros, they're going to have an asterisk next to their team name for a couple of years, and people do not forget. Um, But it would be... Aaron brought up a great point. Like, I'm curious to see who the Cinderella teams are going to be this year. I would love to see, you know, the Diamondbacks in there without Goldie there. Something like that would be exciting. Or the Angels finally getting far without any rotation. That'd be exciting. There's definitely a lot of variables, like you said. I mean, the the Nationals last year at one point were 19 and 31, you know, in the month of May. So they were like way out of it. You know, never mind, you know, making the playoffs, let alone winning the championship. So, I mean, so you can see swings. The The Mariners won, I think, like 50 games last year, but they had a 13-2 and two start. So you're going to probably see at least one or two teams that have no business making the playoffs anyway, probably getting in. And it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, a, a team with the best odds ever to get into the playoffs, you know, a team too good to fail, like possibly the Yankees, possibly the Dodgers, possibly the Astros, one of those guys will probably stumble and miss, you know, as a result of 60 games and not having enough time to recover. So, those storylines are definitely going to be interesting, and and the races are going to be intense all the way through, right out of the gate. You know, teams are going to be figuring, you know, what their scenarios are, how good they have to be. And, you know, I think the Red Sox have a better chance in a 60-game season to get in. 100%. I mean, I wouldn't say we have good odds, but... They're way better than if we played 162. I mean, if yeah. Avaldi if goes on a run in, like he did for one month in 2018, you know, there's some decent starts. I'm hoping Erod will, you know, n- number one, show up in shape because he hasn't always in the past. He hasn't been, like, badly out of shape, but, you know, he's had to, you know, kind of, you know, work off some pounds. And... Um, you know, so if he shows up ready, I don't know. And we got a new pitching coach, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that can, you know, fix some guys, you know, Dave Bush, I don't know much about him. I know he's an ex player, but, um, it'll be interesting to see what type of an impact he has. But, um, I think, I think, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting year for the Red Sox. It's uh, I, I I agree with you earlier, Terry. Because we're playing less games, we're definitely not going to be um, we're definitely not going to be winning you know as many games. Obviously, we're not going to lose nearly as many games as we should have lost. But this is also going to be uh, a year where the Red Sox basically hit reset. You got rid of David Price. Chris Sale's not pitching this year. He's probably not pitching a portion of next year either. Uh, I have little to no expectations from the pitching staff this year. Expecting Martin Perez to become the number two is insane. Our our starters really are Erod and uh, Nathan Eovaldi. And after that, it's kind of potpourri. You don't know what you're going to get. So it would be great to see Eovaldi bounce back this year. 
I can't say confidently. I wouldn't say chips all in on him. I would put more chips in on Erod than him. I'm, I'm of course very curious, but I can't be an optimist about 2020. I, I, I just can't. Well, I mean, it just depends on the start. What, what if I told you we're gonna be, we're gonna be 11 and three out of the gates? Then how you feeling? Well, I would first offer to buy you dinner and uh, figure out where you and the lady would like to go for like a weekend. And I would pay for that trip, too, um, because I just don't see that happening. Eleven and three. I would be shocked if they go six and six, five and seven to start the season. Well, because if you start the season five and seven, six and six as the Red Sox, you have done a great job. If the bullpen can step up, and you guys know me, I destroy the Red Sox more often than not. You know, I I come off as negative, but, you know, if Josh Smith is, you know, as good as he was in the second half, Darwin's in, can hold down the eighth inning, you got Workman in the ninth. If those three guys are solid in those three innings, you got the extra roster guys to work those middle three after the starter, and they might not have to. Obviously, they you might only need the you know them for one or two. You know, if the starter can go deep enough. So, I I think the key to getting there is, is actually going to be our bullpen this year. It's not going to be the starters that get us to the playoffs if we magically make it. No, and that's just it. That's why it has to be the bullpen. Well, Darwin's and Hernandez is going to be a player that, you know, a lot of people know. Uh, They're excited to see what he can do. He's like, he kind of reminds me of Billy Wagner. Um, When he joined the Red Sox, he pitched, I think, like 16 or 17 innings and he struck out 33 or 34 guys. He was like an absolute machine. I was like, wow, this is amazing. We're, we're actually, we've got someone that can strike out two guys in an inning. But they have got to be so smart with Hernandez. Hernandez didn't, he came close to two strikeouts in an inning. Um, and he's going to be really, really good. I pray that they don't rush him, though. Because rushing something like that, he's a young kid. He's like 22 or something. I don't want them to rush him. This is the perfect opportunity, a small sample size. Let him get like 20 to 25 appearances in. Let him pitch 20 innings, strike out 40 guys. He's like the the Red Sox version of Deline Batances when he was striking out two guys an inning. But I just I pray that they don't they don't overuse someone like that. Well, it'll be hard to uh, unless we make the postseason because then, you know, you see t- managers starting to take, you know, a few more liberties w- with guys. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what Ron Renneke can do. I'm going to just say this is probably more of a topic for another show, but I'll just kind of throw it out there right now. Based on High and Bloom's comments, I don't think Alex Cora is coming back next year. You know, he throws cold water on it. If it happens, then I think that's probably going to be an ownership thing. But I, I think Bloom kind of wants his own guy. 
And Renicky does seem to be open to, you know, embracing the analytics and, and talking to the office guys. I'm not usually thrilled with that. I kind of like the manager to kind of run the show. But, um, but you know, if, if there's a balance there and Renicky has a good year, I mean, go back to 2015. I, I've cited this so many times. But the Red Sox, they didn't make the playoffs that year. But under Lavello, those last two months, they were the best team in baseball in August and September. So, you know, when you have a new – well, Renicky's not a new voice, but, you know, new leadership in the in the clubhouse, I'm just wondering, you know, maybe maybe the team steps up for him, you know, and and maybe they, they do go on a run or, or at least make it interesting. Aaron, do you want to go first before I go? I can go, sure. Um, I do not see any sense or any way possible that Alex Cora is the manager of the Red Sox next year. I do not think he comes back to Boston in a managerial role ever. I would be shocked if anybody gives him a managerial role ever. Um, I like Renicky. I like Renicky when he was managing some of those Brewers teams. And he's got the perfect mix of he's willing to embrace the analytics, but he's also proven in his past that he knows how to manage a baseball team. And I think the guys respect him, and I think he's a good fit for the club that we have now. And like Terry said, hope maybe they'll rise up for Renicky. And we have the offense, and the bullpen steps up, and I guess if they can, maybe the starters, maybe. Yep, uh, I agree. I, I don't see Alex Cora coming back to Boston. Uh, I think about all the other major players that have been accused of cheating or done something against the rules, ruined the integrity of the game. You still have Pete Rose, who is arguably one of the best hitters in multiple generations times, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He bet on baseball, and he's been blackballed. Alex Cora, knowingly, unknowingly, whatever you believe, took away the fairness and mystery of what could have happened in the game. He will not manage in Boston ever again. He will not be affiliated with the Boston Red Sox ever again. He will never manage Major League Baseball again. He will be lucky if he is a coach in any capacity in Major League Baseball ever again. They will make an example out of Alex Cora because of this incident. They don't ever want another coach or manager or an owner or anyone to have any unfair advantage ever again. And they are going to make the example with this rather than letting it slide and give this person a pass. Because if it happens with a pass here, it's going to give other coaches the idea, well, Alex didn't really get it too bad. Maybe I should take some liberties too. You can't deny that they wouldn't at least consider it. That's it. Yeah, I... I mean, we're all unanimous then on him not coming back to Boston. It just seems like the insiders all expect he'll be back. You know, all the talking heads on, you know, MLB Network. And I listen to Mad Dog Russo on Sirius Satellite. And him and a lot of his guests seem to think that Cora and Hinch will both be back. But I just... From a Boston perspective, I mean, every misdemeanor violation we have is going to be blown up into a felony, you know, 
if you know look at Deflategate, that was a nothing penalty, but because it was the Patriots, because they had a record and a past precedent of you know cheating, it it got blown up into this major scandal, and I, I think that's what the Red Sox are looking at. So all these other teams, you know, a team like the Reds would be perfect for Alex Cora. I think he could go in there and make a huge difference right away, but it's just whether or not they want to, you know, take that chance, you know, on a guy like him, I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I mean, I could run a poll probably right now, and it would be 50-50, you know, no worse than 50-50. Red Sox fans expect Cora to be back. Like, there's this big expectation he's coming back, but as we all said, it's not happening. I don't see it happening. There's just there's too much that's happened, and Renicky deserves a shot. I believe he was a manager for the Brewers for four or five years. What's the worst that could happen? It doesn't work out. We move on. We find somebody else. Yeah. Managers, he... managers know when they get hired, they are going to get fired. It's one of the only jobs that is both beautiful and sad at the same time because <laughs> you know eventually if you're not going to get the job done, the best day of your life is going to be the day you get signed. The worst day is when they tell you, thanks for coming. We appreciate you. Take care. There was, I don't, it might've been Steinbrenner. I, I, but I could be mistaken, but he told his new manager, he said, he said, you know, today's the day that, you know, I decided to hire you, but there'll also be a day that I'm going to decide to fire you. So make the most of it. (laughs) And yeah, and yeah, the, exactly what you said. So, uh, yeah, and I just think if they rally around him, uh, you know, why not give him a shot next year? If things don't go well, I think you could expect the Rays bench coach, Matt Quatrero. I think he's going to be very high on Bloom's, uh radar, you know, with with the past, you know, relationship and familiarity. So, That'll uh, definitely be interesting, but it'll be uh, an interesting offseason nonetheless. Um, I also just saw something from uh, Bob Nightingale. We don't really have to get too much into it, but it is interesting. Um, MLB teams will be allowed to relocate if, um, you know, if Boston becomes a hotbed for the virus. So, um, that's kind of assuring. Uh, let's just talk about the virus real quick. I'm pretty optimistic that at least the regular season is gonna is gonna play out because you know their testing is gonna be aggressive. They have contingent contingency plans if if players do get sick. Um, I just feel like you know they've already thought you know, one or two steps ahead for most situations they can expect to encounter. So I think the season at the very least will, will come off. And I'm, I'm not real. I'm not even real pessimistic about, about the playoffs either. So what are your thoughts? Uh, Aaron, go I, ahead. I think it'll be okay. It's like you said, they said they're going to be testing aggressively and it's kind of getting a little, it's kind of seems to be getting better and they seems things seem to be going a little more smoothly than they were, say 
mid-March, early April. Um, I think the playoffs will be fine. I'm more optimistic about the regular season than I am the playoffs, but I think we'll be okay, and I think we'll learn some stuff so that next year, hopefully, we can get 162 in. Well, we'll need fans to uh, to do that because I don't see how they can negotiate, you know, non-prorated salaries, you know, take, get them to take lesser money, you know, for 162. But that's that's a beast for, you know, another show anyway. But, Charlie, what are, what are your thoughts on the, uh, you know, the, the likelihood of a full season getting played? Um, so, so two things. One, 100%. Fans don't come there. It's not happening. It's going to be abridged again to, to some capacity. Um, to what capacity? We still don't know. Um, but the the other thing that you did mention was the um, was this what happens to the teams that if they end up getting stuck in a city or a location that becomes a hotbed? How do they evenly distribute what teams go where? And if they disclose that, then I missed it. But I, I'm curious to know how they're going to do that. Are they going to do two or three teams? And then how, how would they figure out what team should go where? Because you're going to have you know cross-contamination. There are going to be some teams that are going to be playing home games and away games in the same place. I, I, I really don't know. Or after a certain point, do they shut down certain stadiums because of what could potentially be a hotbed? It's not a question of if there's going to be a second wave of COVID, it's when, because we have people already not wearing masks and there are a lot of people out there uh, that have essential jobs and God bless them in every capacity. Um, But all it takes is one, all it takes is one, one transfers it onto three, three transferred onto nine. And we have another blow up again. And it's, it sucks because sports is our way as a whole, not just baseball, but in general, as far as with this pandemic going, Sports is a way for all of us to just kind of relax and chill, hang out with people, go out, do something exciting. That's been taken away from us. Um, and, you know, more importantly, there have been people that have lost their lives. So I'm very curious to see see what happens. Uh, fans don't come in. We're not playing a full 162. End of story. Well, how the relocation would work is it wouldn't necessarily be multiple teams. You know, it, it would it would probably just be, you know, maybe at, at the most probably three or four teams, and you could just kind of move them to a, a minor league stadium. I mean, if there's no fans and the the field is, you know, regulation size as you know minor league fields would be anyway. Um, Fenway's small compared to you know some of those, so um, that that's basically how it would work. You know, maybe. Maybe the Red Sox go to Greenville, North Carolina, <laughs> or whatever you know, where their high A gets played, and and you know, and then the season goes on. I think yesterday the Blue Jays were inquiring about maybe playing their games in Tropicana Field, so you know, maybe they'd be playing day games or whatever. Um, that sounds risky to me because it's just more traffic in there more possibility for contamination because you, you could have four teams in there on a given day uh, unless of course their schedules will be opposite maybe when the rays are on the road then the blue jays are there or whatever 
but um but yeah so it's it's going to be creative but you know i'm, I'm sure they'll they, they've already got a list of potential places to to move a given team so um you know so it's it's nice that that they have that on reserve another interesting tidbit is uh players aren't allowed to arrive uh 5 hours before the the game anymore actually i lost that uh let's see if i can pull it up they they have to arrive closer to game time and then they have to be gone um they have to be gone within 90 minutes of the game ending so um so there's all kinds of stuff we haven't really seen what this health manual that they were debating about uh today looks like and i'm sure we're going to be getting a lot of that information over the course of the next week but um but nonetheless i'm optimistic and i think if they're hell-bent to get the whole season in i think they'll find a way to do it i'm glad they're doing something because I'm concerned that if there was no baseball, the whole game of baseball is going to take a massive step back. It very well could. And it's it's not only it's not only the game, but this may sound silly. I think the video game too was either going to do very very well because people missed it so much, or it was going to crash and burn and no one was going to buy it. I I don't even know who's on the cover of MLB The Show this year. Um, I think. Uh, Bryce Harper was on one of the last ones, and I think it was the Chicago Cubs. Javier Baez was on the other one. But, I mean, I almost bought MLB The Show. Oh, so it was Baez. I just Googled it. I was curious. Um, I almost bought it just because I was like, well, if if, if I don't buy it, I, I'm, I'm not going to have any baseball, and I need baseball. I can only watch the 2004, 2007, 2013, 2018 World Series games so many times before I know what you know, Joe Buck is going to say. <laughs> I'm pro Buck, by the way. I, I love that guy. He, you know, it's one one or the other, you know, when you ask people, they either love him or hate him, but. but I don't mind Joe Buck. I got a kick out of what he did. What, what was that, Aaron? He's better than Tim McCarthy. I hate Tim McCarthy so much. Yeah, he hated the Red Sox too. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I hope Joe Buck stays forever. You know, so we'll see him and uh, Smoltz. I think make a good team. Uh, so I like him in baseball. I hate him in football so much. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I I like what whatever team you know Tony Romo is is covering in football. It's just so awesome to see him kind of call what's about to happen and. Uh, yeah, and he just signed that long deal, I think, with, with uh, NBC to, to stay right there. So, yeah, uh, last topic, though, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap. Um, how confident are we with Manfred's leadership? Because, I mean, the runner on second base, that's not going to go over well. I, I've seen a lot of comments on Twitter. It's almost universally... Um, hated the three batter minimum rule. You know, no one, no one likes that. Uh, hopefully, that gets nixed. Uh, you know, if it causes a big enough uproar, I think they were on the fence about nixing it before the uh, you know the COVID nineteen stuff took over. But I just I see a guy who destroys the league. You know, with his 
rules changes with on the field play and and then we just saw you know a terrible negotiation period between both sides and and that could have been a time for him to shine and and you know kind of you know had some stones and 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 move things along but that didn't happen and you know so we're not getting that 4th of July start this year how confident are you guys with him going forward that the league's going to trend the right way and that we can even avoid a strike in 2022. Am I allowed to have negative confidence in him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I'm fairly confident in saying that there's going to be a strike. And I didn't think that I could hate Rob Manfred more until he started negotiating with things. And then I realized that I could hate Rob Manfred more. Yeah, it's he's just had a terrible year, you know, with the Astros investigation. I mean, I think us Red Sox fans feel lucky that, you know, we only lost that second round pick, you know, but there's no way that was just JT Watkins that was cheating that whole time. And so that looks bad. And um, it's just it hasn't been a good year in in any aspect for the commissioner. Charlie, what, what are your thoughts? I, uh, I'm i not a fan. I remember the first time that I saw the runner on second rule, I was watching college softball, and it was, I forget what two teams were playing. It was so long ago, and I was like, wow, why in the world are they doing that? And one of the announcers said, you know, it's a, it's a great idea to help speed the games up, and I was like, crap. Thank God that they don't do this in baseball, because that's one of the things that people like. And there are a lot of rules that he's changed, some of which I was personally, uh, you know, affected by because we all remember what happened to Dustin Pedroia when he got dropped at second base. His career basically was over after that. Manfred changed the rule for second base. So now that, that hard slide bit, that's gone. But he's also gotten rid of a lot of other things that have, have stood for a long time in addition to accidentally also calling the World Series just a piece of metal, which I don't think I'm ever going to forget. I've never heard a commissioner belittle the trophy of the sport that he runs. I I just can't put it into words. And Rob Manfred was also the last of the commissioners to get on board with the whole COVID thing. This was something that he he took way too long to get in front of. He just is too much of a follower and not enough of a, a, a starter. And sometimes rule changes are good. It keeps the, the sport fresh. But sometimes less is more. Less changes will keep more fans in seats and keep more fans entertained. A lot of great points there, Charlie. The, the way I look at it is, it is an older fan base. You know, the average age, I think, is like 57. And, you know, obviously that's a, that's a number that bothers them. But but if you alienate those guys with all these changes and you take all the natural elements out of the game, those guys are going to go away. And then they're probably not going to pull in enough new people, younger people, 
to offset the guys that they lost. So it's just absolutely terrible what's going on here. And during the month of August, if the owners are concerned, if they think, yeah, maybe this guy isn't the guy and and they want to scapegoat him, there's a lawsuit under appeal right now. It's a class action lawsuit uh, pertaining to uh, DraftKings players who think that because of all the cheating in the 2017 postseason, they were defrauded of their money because the Astros, you know, betting against the Astros, you know, who ended up winning because they cheated, you know, they were they were defrauded out of their money in their opinion and there was a letter that had to be subpoenaed and it's a letter from the league to the Yankees or whatever and the Yankees have said if this letter gets released it's going to cause severe reputational harm to their organization So that's pretty damning. And then within hours of that being known, there were reports of, um, I forget the guy's name. His last name's Rivera, and he's a beat writer, you know, in the New York area. He got information that there was up to three cameras in the Yankees outfield at all times trained on the catcher's mitt. Now, this is just one guy saying that. Um, he had this information last fall. I, I don't know why it, he didn't make it known then, but he made it known once this um, this sealed letter, um, you know, became known. And so, if it turns out that the Yankees were cheating worse than the Astros, that's a huge cover up on the part of Manfred and. That could be, that should be a fireable offense, I believe. And that's going to be the best chance to get rid of him. And if that opportunity does present itself, I hope they take it. I couldn't agree more. It's it's interesting because when... The Astros got accused of everything. The people were like, oh, but the Red Sox. But the rest of Major League Baseball said, no, the Astros for two freaking years were doing this. And every other team must have been thinking, oh, my God, we totally did this for like a month. Or we did this for six months. But thank God the Astros are dumb enough to do this for over two years. Thank goodness they thought they were so smart and dumb. Because... If Manfred didn't get fired for this and he doesn't get fired if everything with the Yankees comes down, because that wasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, that wasn't a rumor. That was proven with the Yankees, correct? What was proven that it was that they were abusing the replay room camera since 2015. So um, none of none of this stuff uh, related to the uh, sealed letter um, you know has has been known and there's there's also people out there saying that there's gonna be nothing damning in that in that letter and that it's just 
they just don't want the precedent of it being revealed. So it was set to be revealed last week at some point, but then the appeal was filed and they're going to rule on it uh, in August. So the judge will decide at that point, uh, you know, at the outcome of the appeal, whether or not he's going to, um, you know, unseal it for the public. I actually have those quotes here. This is Joe Rivera, and he writes for uh, the Sporting News. I can go through some of these. I mean, I think the the audience would would be interested. He says uh, in a tweet, and it's actually several tweets, but he says, A source told me late last year that the Yankees allegedly had three different cameras set up in the outfield in 2017, left, right, and center, trained on the catcher's mitt to steal signs. Those signs would then be decoded in the dugout and then relayed to the hitter during game during their uh, in-game at-bats. It had been happening in 2017 and before. According to the source, the Yankees have four guys who strictly go over signs during the game, revealing signs to players live in the moment during the at-bat. When a player made it to second, he would then relay the signs to the hitter. According to the source, there were multiple teams who were using different methods of side stealing, including the Yankees, Rangers, Royals, and Phillies. And again, this is 2017, so that was the Apple Watch year for the Red Sox. Um, Rivera goes on to tweet, he would like to point out, this is one source who told him these things, and he's had a fair level of difficulty verifying some of the finer details of the sign stealing coming from New York. But from what I gather, it's much more widespread than uh, MLB would have you think. Um, there's several other tweets in there, but um, but that's basically the gist of it. And so with him kind of revealing that information and then the letter is in court, still sealed, uh, not you know for the public to see. I just, I, I hope that we do you know, get to learn the contents of it. And if Manfred had, you know, a huge role in covering this up, I think that's extremely damning. And I think it would basically, you know, everyone would lose complete confidence in his ability to lead, basically. Terry, you, uh, you you just brought something up. In 2017, 2017 that, that was a couple of years ago, that was the year that uh, Aaron Judge went off. Gary Sanchez went off. Um, yeah, absolutely. Didi, Didi had like a really good year. Um, I don't remember. 2017, I don't think they had Giancarlo Stanton there. I think it was 2018 when he joined. So they had three guys that absolutely destroyed the baseball. Like, Gary Sanchez was a nobody. Like, I don't remember him doing anything before that year. I think he had, like, 15, 20 homers a year before that. He comes off the map, and he hits, like, 35 or something. The following year, he doesn't even hit 200. His batting average fell 100 points. I remember that because I drafted him in fantasy baseball, and he punished me. And then Aaron Judge (laughs) punished me again because he, like, his numbers were cut in half. And, yeah, he was injured for a small portion of the time. But, I mean, the home run ball... It just wasn't there. So if that really was the case, I, oh, that's that's going to be really hard to swallow. That's like a horse tranquilizer pill for a child. That's going to be brutal. 
Yeah, and you know, the Yankees Yankee fans have been crapping on Altuve for being a cheater that year when it turns out maybe maybe their guy was, you know, after all, you know, with two extra cameras in the outfield. So, it's just it's absolutely crazy. And another thing I took from it too, um there there was a quote from Carlos Beltran. It might not have been a direct quote, but it was him saying in one of the athletic reports last year about the Astros scandal about how Carlos Beltran told the Astros that they needed to get with the times with their sign stealing efforts and and catch up to all these other teams. Well, Beltran had been with the Yankees, I think the three seasons prior, 14, 15, and 16, before departing to the, you know, Astros. So maybe getting with the times is is also kind of an indicator that the Yankees did, in fact, have cameras, and that's why the Astros put a camera in their outfield. Uh didn't Joe Girardi also come out and say that he had a system in place in order to decode signs? Well, I believe it was on MLB Tonight at one point, before the whole like technology ban came out. I don't know. Uh, that's the first I've heard of it. I, You know, I vaguely remember that, but I don't remember if they ever went into explicit detail about that because he did mention something about getting signs but it it was something that it was like uh okay and they talked about something different it was when he was no longer the manager of the yankees and it was before um oh man i I, aaron you're definitely right i do remember this and i was watching it they're talking about i think it was something about sign stealing about how they were doing it and girardi like admitted like what he did as a player and then what he did as a coach like joe what are you doing bud what are you doing? And he still got hired by the Phillies. He still got hired by the You know what? All that stuff aside, I still think... I remember when Joe Girardi got hired in the first place. I thought, this is stupid. And he ended up being a good manager. But now, if this ends up being the case, how much of it was legitimate and how much of it was just uh, blown up and juiced, for the lack of a better term, because of having insider information? I mean, Martha Stewart went to jail. They should, too. Yeah, and you know this is all going to come out in August, so it's it could put the Phillies in a in a tough spot depending on how damning it is, and you know it, it's such a broad range of what it could be because, like I said, there's people pouring cold water on it, you know, outside people, you know, not just people within the Yankees organization, and then there's you know the the tweets from Joe Rivera that that I just read and. You know, the admission from the Yankees lawyer that this could cause serious reputational harm. So, um, you know, I kind of hope it's on the more serious end. Hopefully Manfred doesn't, he's not able to influence any of it. You know, he is a lawyer uh, previously. So, um, you know, I'm sure he's very familiar with the court system. But I just, I hope he gets held accountable for the, uh, you know, the betterment of the league because, I think he's just going to completely destroy the sport. You know, he he already has. So, uh, any final thoughts uh, before we wrap? Uh, not so much a final thought, but I'm curious what the both of you guys 
have as your your number one hero and your number one zero for both offense and defense? I'd love to hear what you guys think are going to be your number one guy for both pitching and hitting and your number one, damn it, for both. Go ahead. Do you do you want to go, Aaron, or do you want me to? You can go. I, I still got to think. Yeah, yeah, I figured. So um, I'm going to say – Martin Perez is going to be absolutely terrible. I think his career stats are who he is. and He's on cheap money, so I'm not going to destroy the the contract, but I I don't think he's going to contribute very much this year. I think Josh Smith is going to become a bona fide late inning uh, reliever, a dominant one, you know, that could do a traditional setup and, uh, you know, possibly close, you know, Workman's, uh, this is his last year before free agency. So I think Smith could kind of wiggle into one of those roles. So those are my, those are my heroes and zeros as far as pitching goes. Um, I'll say Xander Bogarts will have the best year um, offensively of anyone in the lineup. And I think Mitch Moreland is going to be a shell of himself, probably struggle to stay healthy. And I think the strikeouts are going to be high as normal. So Bogarts, my hero and uh, Moreland, my zero. I hate to break it to you, Terry, but Josh Smith went to the Marlins. Oh, did I say Josh Smith? Oh, I, I've been watching it the whole show. Um, Josh Taylor. That's who I meant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That one. Yeah. Um, My hero for a hitter, I'm going to probably say Devers. I think Devers will continue what he did last year and I don't know if he'll match it, but I think it'll be close. It definitely won't be that slump that we have. Um, zero, Jackie Bradley. I've never been a Jackie Bradley fan. I don't plan on being a Jackie Bradley fan. Um, my pitching hero, Ryan Weber. I <laughs> think he'll be better than expectations. I'm not going to say he'll be great, but I think he'll be better than what people expect him to be. And my pitching zero, Matt Barnes. He's very streaky, and in a short season, I could see him sucking for almost all of it. Yeah, so no doubt there. Who you got, Charlie? So I, I actually laughed. I, I, I muted myself just in case I, I did laugh really loud. Matt Barnes is, is like buckshot. You you really don't know where it's going to go. He could be really good or he could be really bad. I actually think that uh, it's going to be Devers for my hero in offense this year. I was going to go with Xander, uh, but I, I just I truly feel like this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful thing for Rafi Devers. Um, my zero, I was torn between Tendi and Vasquez. Um, Andrew Benatendi really hasn't done too much like after his rookie year, but Christian Vasquez came out of the woodwork and, and cracked 23 bombs last year and like blew my mind away. 
Um, I didn't see that coming. So I'm actually going to go um, Ben Intendi on this one because he's been getting steadily worse each of the last three seasons, at least numerically. The strikeout numbers are going up. The walk numbers are going down. The RBI numbers are going down. Home run numbers are going down. Thank goodness he had 40 doubles for two years in a row. Uh, other than that, though, he was not deserving of, of full-time starts. Just it wasn't there. Um, so I got uh, Devers and Benintendi. Uh, for my pitching hero, I had to really think about that one because I was also torn. Um, I really, I really want to say Erod again, but my heart says uh, Nathan Eovaldi is going to bounce back. Um, he's hopefully not got Josh Beckett syndrome where he has one great year followed by one year for the birds. Um, and uh, I would love to say Tyler Thornburg because he was so bad when he was in Boston. Uh, my zero this year, uh, I don't believe he is a free agent. I'm actually going to go with um, Brian Johnson. I don't believe he ended up signing anywhere else. I still think he's with Boston. Uh, I just I think he kind of blew out last year and he's just not going to go anywhere. I don't know if he projects to be in the rotation or if he's going to be in the bullpen. I just don't have any hopes for him. Yeah, he's not on the 40-man, but I don't even know what that means anymore uh, as far as this season goes. Um, he is technically a non-roster invitee still. Right, yeah. So um, I think he's essentially on kind of like an outright assignment, uh, you know, in, in what would have been Pawtucket. So um, he will be there, though, if if um, if they decide they need an arm. And maybe with that, those extra four players to start, you know, it's conceivable he could uh, he could wind up there. We shall see. We shall see. All right. Well, that will uh, wrap it up. I appreciate you guys jumping in last minute. I had no idea. I thought I might even be flying solo for a little while. So I appreciate you guys stepping up and, uh, um, you know, recording this. And, uh, Aaron, I'm sure we're going to be plugging you in uh, here and there throughout the season, uh, you know, next few months. So appreciate it as always. Always a good time. I'll, I'll come on whenever you need me. Okay. All right. Take care, gentlemen. Take care, man. Well, there you have it. I'm so rusty, but it was nice to fire up this equipment. It was kind of buried under a mound of junk because <laughs> this table tends to be our clutter spot. But uh, everything went off without a hitch and hope you enjoyed it. And we could be recording once or twice a week here, uh, you know, for throughout July and then uh, back to two shows a week uh, once the once the schedule comes out. So I hope you enjoyed it and we'll uh, we'll be back soon. Take take care.